maybe you're the only one divorced in your entire family and your own parents are being very critical. Well, why don't you just tell him this? You need to tell him that. Or, you know, they're worried about the grandchildren and you're taking the brunt of that. And then you're thinking, they don't understand. No, they don't. No idea what this this feels like. You know, you can't just tell your ex, do this, do that. Like they're going to listen. So she may be feeling some outside pressure or internal pressure that this is wrong and it just feels wrong. And I want my kids to grow up, you know, with a certain purity and this is tainting them. And there's the risk of her reading every Stephen King book under the sheets at night and you never knowing and not being able to affect the impact that it's having on her. Hey, this is Diane Dirks. And I'm Rick Voiles. We've been working with co-parents in conflict for more than two decades. We've taught classes, written books, counseled parents, empathized, and agonized a few times to help people make sense of their complicated families. We were talking one day, and it occurred to us that helping the most difficult cases comes down to one simple concept. Is one parent willing to let go of the tug-of-war rope, or is it worth it to hold on and fight? So we invite you to take this journey with us each episode as we tackle the questions, should you hold on or let it go? Welcome to Co-Parent Dilemmas, where we give you practical solutions to those impossible co-parents. Hi, Diane. Hey, Rick. How's it going? How are you? (laughs) I'm good. You first. (laughs) (laughs) I'm good. I'm good, too. I'm good, too. Um, Spring has sprung. Yay. So that's good. Yay. Finally. Yay. Finally. We're going to um we're going to visit my stepdaughter in Belgium. Ah, when soon. are you doing that? That's nice. Yes, it's uh be the like the first week of April, but okay. I don't know what this when this will broadcast. This will broadcast right after we oh. come back. Yeah. And I'm going to watch my granddaughters again in May because my daughter's going to Ireland. <gasps> Ooh, I want to go so, to Ireland someday. So I don't get to go, but I get to watch the grandkids. She <laughs> <while laughs> gets pictures. <laughs> yeah. No, that's always a fun time. You know, my grandchildren are 11 and almost nine. And I figured that I've only got a few more years where they're excited that Grammy's coming. True. And then, I mean, I hope they'll always be excited to see me, but. Then they'll just be so involved with their own lives that Boys. I'll just be a, yeah. I'll be a afterthought. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, her. Oh, she's coming. Oh, hmm. How do I fit that in? Right. <laughs> <laughs> how do I fit her in? <laughs> that says it all. Right now, we still do Grammy camp every summer, so I'm, they're coming in July, and that's fun. Yeah, that's good. When they were little, and Grammy Camp started out as we did crafts, and we did. Mm -hmm. Now that they're older, Grammy Camp is a little bit more involved. (laughs) Right, requires requires more time, money, and exercise to do Grammy Camp. Now it's not just crafts and singing like we used to do when they were little. So again, I don't know how many more years we'll do Grammy Camp, but I'm sucking up every minute I can get. Very good. Yes, do that. They tell me, you're weird, Grammy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll cry. So what do we got today? So today we have an email from Jennifer. I don't know where Jennifer is. We've had a lot of Jennifer lately. Yeah. 
wonder what yeah, that's we about. Had Jenny a few weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Well, oh, hey. I think it's a certain generation that Jennifer was a very popular name. Oh, all Jennifers have good tastes in podcast listening. That's, I that's... agree with you. <laughs> there we go. All right. Dear, hello, Diane. I hope you are doing well this week. Oh, very thoughtful. I have another dilemma that I wondered if you could shed some light on. Throughout our relationship, my ex-husband and I have very different tastes in movies. He loved horror and gore, and I loved Jane Austen and adventure movies. We had many philosophical discussions, but when the kids came along, he deferred to my judgment on what was appropriate for them. Now that we are divorced, he is literally going down the list of the movies I had vetoed and showing them to the kids on the two nights a week there with him. What? <laughs> yes. This has made me hit the roof emotionally on a weekly basis, but I have kept these reactions to myself and had encouraging comments for the kids when they tell me what they watched and have sent him one email asking him to stay within a couple of years of the recommended ages, to which he didn't apply because I'm sure that was an annoying email to get. Mm-hmm. Now he is watching a horror series with my 14-year-old daughter that he himself quit watching a few years back because it was too scary for him to watch alone. He is a horror aficionado and even has written several horror stories himself, has read every Stephen King book and even scarier authors. I remember him stopping because it was so remarkable. And now, last night, my daughter asked me to come into her room to close her window for her and seemed uneasy. She says she is loving the series, but I don't think it's healthy for her. My question is this, hold on or let it go. Is there a point at which I should say something? I don't think I have any legal grounds for demanding him stop, and my relationship with him has deteriorated. I had hoped for a cooperative relationship, but he seems to resent me. We were married for 18 years while I tried to love him through his sexual addiction, but I finally called it quits when he told me that all the recovery efforts had been part of the deceit. I'm very good at holding on and very bad at letting go. Thank you for reading this all the way through, Jennifer. Hmm. Well, I like Jennifer because she's willing to admit I'm good at holding on and bad at letting go. Yeah. that's. So she's that's... telling us something about herself here that she has a hard time letting go of things. Maybe could... because she's an anxious parent. Maybe. It... I would say, I mean, he's probably, and I don't know anything about the dynamics of their marital relationship, but maybe he felt controlled. But if we were to give her the benefit of the doubt, maybe she's very anxious. Mm-hmm. Especially for the benefit kids. of the yeah, if he if we were to give him the benefit of the doubt, maybe he just got tired of being told what to do, and now that I don't have to do everything she tells me to do, I'm going to parent the way I want to, and I think it's perfectly fine that they watch these movies that I'm scared to watch by myself. <laughs> well, and maybe when she banned them, well, they certainly weren't for fourteen years old. Maybe, of course, they shouldn't watch it at seven. Yeah. She mentions children, but she only mentions one 14-year-old daughter. So we don't know whether the other children are older or younger. Right. But that's really kind of beside the point. I mean, 
this is one of those issues that is not black and white. Um, pretty sure the authorities would take notice if they were watching pornography. I hope so. While at dad's, yeah. Pretty sure a rated R movie call to Child Protective Services is going to get you nothing. So Jennifer seems aware that she doesn't really have any legal standing to do much about it. Um, But she's worried about her children, especially the 14-year-old. Let's talk a little bit about that. What could be happening with this 14-year-old and her dad, do you think? It would not surprise me that because he's an aficionado, this may be, it could possibly be the only thing that children have or this daughter has to bond with her father. The only way to get attention and time with him is to sit beside him watching sure. a horror show. Yeah. Um, I had that with my dad. My dad was a very quiet parent, but he loved football. So mm-hmm. I remember sitting, watching football, and that's how I learned about football. That was when my mom was, she had a one night a week thing that she did with friends and my dad and I sat and watched Monday night football and I learned, I would ask questions and I learned about all the rules. (laughs) And so I can relate to that, that sometimes you feel like that's the only way I can kind of access them and get them to pay attention. So I, I think that's a good observation that it could be her bonding experience. So picture this. The child is in her room and mom, will you come shut my window? I'm a little nervous. And then mom has a choice to handle it one of two ways. She can slam the window shut and say, well, that's because you've been watching all those scary movies with your dad. Mm, Yep. If she says that, what is the daughter thinking? Well, I can't talk to mom about this because she disapproves and and she gets bent out of shape every time I bring it up. But then how do I tell dad I'm not real keen on watching this particular series because it's scary? Well, I'll disappoint mom or I'll disappoint dad. So I'm just not going to say anything and I'll try to cope with my my fear, you know, which a lot of kids have to do, right? Mm -hmm. Or mom could make a choice to sit down on the bed. And she may have done some of this. Tell me what you're afraid of. And, you know, if you, you come at it directly, they're probably going to be indirect. Right. Because they're teenagers. So what are you afraid of? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you watch those movies with your dad. They're fine. Right. <laughs> Why did you want me to shut the window then? Because I'm cold. <laughs> okay. You get nowhere that way. Mom would do really well to sit down and say to the daughter, you know, listen, I know your dad lets you watch some of these movies. I don't like it, but I can't control that. But it's okay that you watch them if that's what you feel is bonding you to him. I want you to have a good relationship with your dad. And if that helps you do it, then that's fine. So just know that I'm here when something gets scary and you can talk to me about it. And I won't tell your dad. If it's just you want to talk to somebody about fear. And I really want you to be able to say maybe to your dad, I don't like to watch those parts, or maybe you just close your eyes during those parts that you don't want to watch because you don't want to have a nightmare about it later. That's fine too. You do whatever you need to do to bond how you think you need to bond with your dad. Cause I can't control that. But when it gets too scary, I hope you come and talk to me. Can you imagine the difference that might make to the 14 year old? That, yeah. Golly. I think mom actually gets it. What? 
Yeah. All this time I thought I was keeping this big secret that I really don't like horror movies, but I'm only doing it to bond with my dad. And now my mom just sat down and named it all like she's been in my head. What is up with that? She learns pretty quickly that adults are a little smarter than they think they are. (laughs) But you might be afraid to say that because you don't like the movies. Well, whether you like them or not, it's happening. Right. Right. What might be another plan B for her other than just having this conversation with her one daughter? We'll be back after a quick break. The heart behind the I'm on podcast is storytelling because every mom has a story to tell. I know that when I talk to my friends who are parenting and we share stories, we all end up feeling less alone and more capable of loving our kids well. You can find information everywhere on the internet. Some is bad parenting advice and some is pretty wise. We like to think there's a lot of wisdom on imom.com. And when you combine that signature wisdom with a great story, it brings parenting to life. We want a mom who's listening to see herself and her kids in these stories and rest in the confidence that she is the perfect mom for her kids. Check out the iMom podcast with new episodes every Monday. Well, one of the things she could do is she could actually find out what the series is. I think she knows and watch with her daughter and then get her comments and find out where those scary parts are and help her cope with them. Or there's another, I love that idea. Get that list and just start going down the list of all the movies. Same one. Yeah. Because you are kind of facing it head on. Okay. I, I put this movie on the list and pretty, and, and even say to all the kids, well, I understand that your dad is going through this list and watching movies. So let's do it too. And, you know, you, they might say, I don't want to watch it again. Well, maybe you watch it before they do. Before <laughs> <laughs> they get over there. I mean, like, yeah, you do have to use your your parental common sense. If the child is four, you know, you're not going to watch it. But if they're, <laughs> if one child's four, if you've got a 12, 14, and 16-year-old or somewhere around there, it won't hurt them to watch a rated R movie with you. You've seen it before, and you know a sex scene is coming up, and you don't want to deal with the discomfort of that. You can always fast forward through that little piece, right, yep. or whatever. But I think it's probably you're right, Rick. It's probably healthy for her to say, "Okay," and then talk about what they saw. You know what would really be bonding is obviously she is not an aficionado, and she could say to bond with her kids, same process, opposite direction. You know, I wonder if you would help me understand what is so appealing about this genre. Can we watch this and you show me or talk to me about what's really cool about this? Yeah, because you already know your dad and I don't agree. But if you're going to watch these with him, then I kind of want to know what the appeal is. They might be skeptical of that. I bet they would be a little skeptical because they know mom and dad are really different. Mm Mm-hmm. What's she, what's her game here? <laughs> like, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> or they might embrace it completely or they might be a little nervous about, Oh, I don't know if I want to watch that in mom's presence because that would be embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Somehow it's different watching it in dad's presence. I don't know, but it would be an interesting, but the message, the overall message, Rick, what you're suggesting is saying to the mom or say, the mom saying to the kids that this is not a hot issue. She's neutralizing the issue for the kids. Off the table. Yep. Off the table. Next. Now what? And 
you know, she mentions in her email that she gave some other examples that we, we didn't talk about, but that she doesn't trust him at all. She has zero trust for dad's judgment when it comes to parenting. So something tells me this is one of many issues that she's not going to be okay with. Mm-hmm. But do you let go of it? Well, sort of. You let go of thinking that dad is going to listen to me because he did in the marriage. Right. Well, when you're married, we've talked about this before. When you're married, you've got leverage. Mm-hmm. Your spouse may do it your way just because they don't want to go to bed with you while you're looking like a porcupine, you know, <laughs> I can't get close to you. <laughs> but when you're not married anymore, I don't really care if I make you mad because I don't have to live with you. Yeah. You know? So now that there's no leverage, don't delusionally think, well, he listened to me when we're married. Why won't he listen now? Because my house, my home, my kids, I'm going to do what I want. I don't have to listen to you anymore. And there's a feeling of power in that. So, you know, Jennifer, you might kind of do some self-reflection about does that anxiety that you have about parenting translate into what looks like control, not only to your co-parent, but maybe also to your kids. Ooh. And try to manage that, you know, maybe even talk to somebody about that because that can be misinterpreted. I've met a lot of anxious parents who are accused of being controlling parents when really they're just so afraid that I'm going to raise an imperfect child. Let me tell you, I guarantee you're going to raise an imperfect child. <laughs> yeah. No question a, about it. <laughs> you raise a perfect child, you did something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, maybe there's a there's something in your background that makes you feel like every eye must be dotted and T crossed or else my kids won't turn out the way I want them to, and then I'll be to blame. A lot of people have that guilt that follows them around that if I don't do everything just so. Um, The most important thing, though, for your kids and you is for you to provide stability, consistency, dependability. And it sounds like you probably are already doing that. Mm -hmm. You're worried about his inconsistency over there, the fact that he's allowing them to do things you don't approve of, but you can't focus on that. However, we know that Kids grow up and tend to duplicate both of their parents' styles in some way, shape, or form. They just take the best parts of each most Mm. of the time. They decide what they didn't like about you, and they decide what they didn't like about dad, and then they kind of form their own style, right? So make those good parts shine, those stable parts. If you just spend a whole lot of time fighting with dad, it won't feel very secure and stable. And find as many ways as you can to bond with your child, even if it may be uncomfortable with you. We all, for the sake of love, I think even in dating relationships, right? We we watch the thing that the other person <laughs> likes because we we want to be with them. Yeah. So I have a story for you. Um, you know, I was trained as a journalist before I became a therapist. And so when we moved to Atlanta, my son was sixth grade. I think maybe this is when he was in eighth grade. And that's back when all the, you know, Nirvana grunge stuff was going on, you know, that style of music and the kind where they screamed into the microphone, oh, you know, like that. Right, right. <laughs> and I would tease them and say, what are they saying? Oh, mom, you're, you're such a square, right? Uh huh. <laughs> well, he wanted to go to this 
concert of these grunge bands or whatever they were, screaming bands. I don't know what, even know what you call the genre. And he wanted to go with a couple of his eighth grade friends. And I was like, no, there's nothing good about that. <laughs> Dropping them off at this venue in downtown Atlanta with a couple other eighth graders. So I said, I will take you and we'll go and I'll take your two friends and we'll all go together. And he did not want that. No. But he wanted to see these bands. <laughs> so, and he wanted me to purchase the tickets. Right? Yep. So I went to this concert with a bunch of grungy kids <laughs> and I was so intrigued by the experience that I sat down and wrote uh, an article about it in the Atlanta journal constitution printed it the next week. Uh -huh. He was so mad at me because all of his eighth grade friends <laughs> saw the article oh. and were teasing him. Oh. You went to the concert with your mom. Oh no. <laughs> but even so it didn't bond us right away. Uh -huh. But what happened was, he then felt more comfortable, I think, talking to me about his music. And we ended up having this, because I love music, and and we ended up having this more fluid kind of relationship around music because I was willing to actually go see it. I hated every minute of it. It was the worst <laughs> music I've ever heard. They had this mosh pit, and they were, like, throwing these kids around, and I was like, oh, my gosh, what is this? But it it... I think it sort of solidified something between us about music. And then he started sharing music with me because I showed an interest. So that's just one story of many that could happen. Sure. Yeah. Show a little bit of an interest. Next thing you know, they're going, oh, okay, well, maybe mom does care about what I like. Mom does care instead of just constantly criticizing me because I'm always on the internet, you know, well, let me look at that TikTok dance. What does that look like? And and see what it is they're actually doing, then they're more likely, I think, to take your criticism or your constructive criticism about it or take your words seriously when you say, yeah, I saw that one video. I don't really like that. What do you think about that? And mm -hmm. Instead of forbidding it, you're reviewing it with them and getting their input and learning something about them in which they're more motivated to learn about you. Creates a conversation. But it takes work. Yeah. It was work. It was work for me to go to that concert. It was so, work. So you stepped, <laughs> so you stepped into another culture and all the dynamics of not being apart and not understanding, just like you would go to another foreign country with a foreign language. But by stepping into it, you showed respect for that culture. And yeah. I, I suspect that's what your son picked up on. Right. And it didn't make me want to listen to that music ever no. again <laughs> except for my son was a drummer so that you know the the drummer they always have practices at the drummer's house because the drum set is hard to, to move. transport yeah. <laughs> so we all i don't know how many bands he was in middle school and high school but there were several and i would have to leave the house because it was just <laughs> all this screaming in the garage not only not quality <laughs> music but there was a lot of screaming going on <laughs> yes but, well, you know, those are just stages that kids go through, too. And I think the more you protest, the more it pushes them towards the very thing that exactly that you don't want them to do just because, like this dad, her is saying, here are the list of movies I don't approve of. What did he do with that? Bam. He went straight to him. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Let's go through the list, kids. Yes. <laughs> we'll show mom there's nothing to see here. And then there probably was. It probably was too scary for the 14-year-old. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're eventually going to find that line uh, if you keep watching horror. It's going to – she's going to find those places that I can't deal with anymore. Yeah. And giving yeah. Jennifer the benefit of the doubt, like you said earlier, I, I take that last line. I'm very good at holding on and very bad at letting go. I kind of read into that, that she would very much like to let go for the benefits of her children. And can you please give me some guidance on how to do that in this situation? So I think she would be willing to step yeah. across that line to bond for her children uh, if it meant her children benefiting. And I don't know what her background is, but I've had cases like this where the background maybe is very religious Mm. or maybe you're the only one divorced in your entire family and your own parents are being very critical. Well, why don't you just tell him this? You need to Ooh. tell him that. Or, you know, they're worried about the grandchildren and you're taking the brunt of that. And then you're thinking, they don't understand. No, they don't. No idea what this is, feels like. You know, I'm, you can't just tell your ex, do this, do that. Like they're going to listen like they did in the marriage. So she may be feeling some outside pressure or internal pressure if it's, you know, religious based that, that this is wrong and it just feels wrong. And I want my kids to grow up, you know, with a certain purity and this is tainting them, but divorce causes you to have to let go of a lot of things that you held yeah. dear to your heart because you can only control things when they're on your time and even if you had them full time, you would find out there's a lot with my kids I cannot control, especially when they get older. Right. So get with their the, friends. And yeah. yeah, time doesn't always control things. So you do your best when you have them. And if you are at your best and kids are feeling stable and things are predictable and consistent, they will gravitate toward that. That won't be meaningful. That will feel safe. Yeah. They're more likely to duplicate that style as a parent as well. And if you don't figure out, now, when she's 14, she will be, there's the risk of her reading every Stephen King book under the sheets at night and you never knowing and not yeah. being able to affect the impact that it's having yeah. on her. So open it up. Talk about it. Yes. Say I'm interested enough that I want to explore it with you. And then you have, you kind of neutralize the power that dad seems to feel like he needs right now to go against you. I like it. Thanks, Jennifer, for your question. Appreciate it. And we will talk to everyone next week. All right. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. The information contained in this podcast is generic. It must not be misconstrued as constituting legal or psychological advice. Decisions relevant to any specific individual, family system, or case require the direct evaluation of skilled, child-centered professionals.